0: I've been talking about dealing with depression. And one aspect that that I don't know a lot about, but that I realized I've neglected. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to take a shot at it. And that is an aspect that's particularly true of, of the sisters. Men, I've pointed out, and I've, I've dealt openly with, with my own issues with depression, often have to do with our own sense of, of, of purpose in life and achievement and things. And, and I'm not saying all men or all women are like this, because they're not. You can never do that. But you do sen- sense trends. And men are often, and I just sat with a group of men who were, who were depressed over this very thing, uh, <laughs> over, over the idea of... Of, of achieving in their lives and of their, their work. They, we tie our success and our achievement with our worth. But when I, I've noticed that women and some men, I certainly have faced it in my life, it goes vice versa, but women often are depressed over the, over the death of a relationship, the death of a child, the death of a marriage, the loss of a friend, places where, where love is broken where friendships are broken, where family is broken, when there is teenage trouble and, and there are some really some awful things that go on while we're growing up in our teenage years, aren't there? And that can hit hard. Uh, we can have uh, family members die. We can have children die. We can have divorce and abandonment. Actually, it's all abandonment, isn't it? it, has to do with losing relationships, losing people we love. And as I notice, in, just in pastoring, that seems to be the major cause that I encounter in women. Some men, but often in our sisters. And because I'm not a woman, I don't know that I understand this from your perspective very well. So actually, I'm open to correction. But I'm going to try to just touch on a subject, and I asked myself, How have I seen someone deal with depression that came from the death of a relationship? Who have I seen do this? How have I seen someone find that kind of victory? And I, I have some answers. I want to show you some verses that the Lord brought me to because. Ultimately, our comfort comes from the Lord in these kinds of things. There, there is no one else like Him. And there is no one else who really will always be faithful to us like the Lord. I mean, we've got faithful friends and we've got faithful husbands and wives and we have people in our lives, but there's nobody like the Lord. Nobody is always there for you. No one will always listen. No one always cares. No one has the compassion toward us like the Lord does. And what I want to show you is just some verses, and then I'm going to give you my my points. Actually, let's step back. I want you to keep your thumb right there, because we're coming right back to Isaiah 49, 18. But I want to show you a verse of Scripture. It's Deuteronomy 28, verse 32. This is part of the curses of the law. Oh, what a blessing, huh? You, you just follow with me a second. The, the covenant of Israel is based on, on this premise. The Lord says, I want you to obey me. If you obey me, then I will bless you. And he lists out all of these blessings. But he says, if you don't obey me and you turn away from me, these are the things that will happen to you. And he lists out all the curses. I mean, you know practically down to getting lice in your hair. I mean, it it just goes on and on. It's very detailed. It's disgusting, actually, when you read along in it. Here is one of those curses. Now, follow me in this. In Christ, we are no longer cursed, right? It says that the curse has passed away. We are now blessed in Christ. That's the whole point, you see. He's paid the law off. He's, He's bought its judgment off of us so that God is free to give us the blessings. And so, what I'm going to read you is one of the curses. But I want you to realize that as a Christian, the reverse of this thing is true. It it works. Hang on. One of these curses is this one, Deuteronomy 28, 32. Your sons and your daughters will be given to another people, while your eyes shall look on and yearn for them continually, but there shall be nothing you can do. The Lord says, if you walk away from me and you rebel against me, speaking to Israel, He says, people will come and they will seize your family members and take them away from you. And this happened in history on a number of occasions. They will take them away from you and you will look on and watch them leave and there will be nothing you can do about it. You will powerlessly stand there while your beloved are carried away from you, ripped away from you. Now, some of us have had that kind of thing happen. Now, I am not implying that's a curse. But we know what it means to have husbands or wives divorce us, leave us, often because someone else has attached their heart or some some, do- some thinking has grabbed their minds and they've been ripped away from us. Relationships have been broken, people have, have been separated from us. And We have felt inside that we would only look on and there would be nothing we could do. But you and I aren't under the curse. You and I are under the blessing. When this kind of thing happens, it says here at the end, there shall be nothing you can do. But for us, there is something we can do. That's the difference. It isn't that we don't have abandonment. It isn't that we don't lose. But we are not left with nothing to do. We can pray. We have God on our side. God is our warrior. He's our friend. He is in this with us, fighting for us. If we were cursed, we would have nothing we could do. But because we are blessed, God is with us. And God will help us in all of these areas. Now, go with me then to Isaiah. Because really, this verse in Isaiah, these verses I'm going to read you, are a fulfillment... Of what I've just read. Isaiah is starting out in this chapter and he talks about the uh, Messiah. I'm seeing things in this chapter I never saw before. Verse 7, just for fun, says the Lord, thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One, to the dis- speaking now of the Messiah who would come, to the despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes shall bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you." Did you know that Messiah would be despised and abhorred? He was. Jesus Christ. I mean, I didn't realize that was there. Anyhow, that's not my point. Verse 14. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Now listen to this. Can a woman forget her nursing child? and have no compassion on the son of her womb even these may forget but I will not forget you can a woman forget her nursing child picture a mother a new mother with a little child nursing the child and he said can a woman forget that child can she have no compassion on the son of her womb I think in natural terms, there's few things stronger that we know of than a mother's love for her children, is there? God help you when you get between a, a she-bear and her cub. God help when you get between my wife and her children. There's a protection and a love and a commitment to them that will just go, for, go to the wall. It's something that's, that's lovely. And the Lord says, Before... A woman would forget her own nursing child before I would ever forget you, Israel. Now, he's speaking to a people. He's prophesying here, telling them that they are going to be cursed. I mean, in the whole context here, he's saying, because they are going to disobey him. They're on their way into trouble. But he speaks this word of hope in the middle of it, and he says, but I will never forget you. Then he begins to describe the drawing ministry which God will do for us. Listen to this. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Isn't that beautiful? I've written your name on my hand. I never forget you, you're right before me. I've got children, they tend to write stuff on their hands. You know, you often find when they're in those teenage years, they've got boyfriends written on their hands and stuff like that. The Lord says, I've written you on the palm of my hands. Your builders hurry and your destroyers and devastators will depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All of them gather together. They come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall surely put on all of them as jewels and bind them on, your, uh, on as a bride. For your waste places... Waste and desolate places, your destroyed land. Surely now you will be too cramped for inhabitants, and those who swallowed you will be far away. The children of whom you were bereaved will yet say in your ears, The place is too cramped for me. Make room for me that I may live here. And then you will say in your heart, Who has begotten these for me, since I have been bereaved of my children? And I am barren and an exile and a wanderer, and who has reared these? Behold, I was left alone. From where did these come? Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and set my standard to the peoples, and they will bring your sons in their bosom, and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Kings will be your guardians, and their princesses your nurses, and they will bow down to you with their faces to the earth, and lick the dust of your feet, and you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. Can the prey be taken from the mighty man, or captives of a tyrant be rescued? Surely, thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty man will be taken away, and the prey of the tyrant will be rescued. For I will contend with the one who contends with you, and I will save your sons." And I will feed your oppressors with their own flesh. And they will become drunk with their own blood, as with a sweet wine. And all flesh will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Did you hear what he said? Though their children had been taken away, their relationships, their loved ones had been torn from them through sin... Now, I'm not implying that for us. I believe many times this happens to very righteous people. So this is not any kind of... I'm not bringing that into the picture at all. That was the case here. But though they lost those relationships, the Lord is promising to draw back to them and to bring their their family, their loved ones, and return and restore that family. Do you hear the promise there? Do you hear the commitment of the Lord? When we lose our relationships, when people we love leave us, abandon us, are torn from us by other doctrines, by other people's allurements, uh, by whatever it is that tears them away, the Lord is on our side to draw them back. And one of the things we have to, 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 to find our comfort in. And I have four points. Point number one is to find comfort in God's power to change the human heart. We have to put our hope in God's power. Do you notice he says, I will cause I will cause those who hold them to release them. I'll not only cause them to release them, I'll cause them to bring them back to you. I will restore your children to you. We have to begin in those moments when we're depressed, when we're anguished over the loss of a child, over the loss of a family member. Now, death, of course, is different only to a degree. Only to a degree. For will the Lord restore those who die to us? Will He? Yes, He will. It's only a matter of time is the only difference when it's even physical death. For He will restore to us our loved ones who are in Christ. And all children, I believe, absolutely qualify under the age of accountability. So we find comfort in God's power to change the heart. Secondly, we find comfort in the Lord's love. I've just watched some of you handle this. And I think this is is where I learned it, just watching you. And I've watched some of you press into the Lord in worship and find your comfort in His anointing. And I can just, even tonight, I can look around and know the lives of some of you and know the pain you have gone through. And rather than get bitter, rather than anger or blaming, you simply clung to him. And that's been remarkable to me because I know that you know, many of us respond differently. But, but some of you have responded in your pain by simply pressing in in an intense way. I I have some who are in every service, practically. Primarily for the worship, I believe. That they might just worship the Lord. And I've seen people who've gone through just some terrible things. And I just see them in one spot or so, all the time. All the time. And I look back and maybe everybody else is flat, but boy, that person is just worshiping. And what I see them doing is just grabbing a hold of the Lord's love of finding the comfort and the the balm of Gilead the salve for their heart in the relationship with the Lord himself. And that is the best of all healing really. We can very very easily we become bitter, we become angry or alienated at God and some of us and I think this is probably has been my inclination at times, I can certainly feel it in myself, is to get angry and say, why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? Why did you do this? Why didn't you stop? And I go through all those whys. And then I sit in a corner, kind of all hunched down and say, and when you make this right, I'll come back and I'll worship you. I'm waiting. You know, that kind of thing. When When you finally fix this, I'll praise you. Well, I'm waiting. Tina, uh, don't raise any hands, please. But some of you, I bet, can relate to that. I'll finally worship you, Lord, when you finally make this right. But there are some of you, and I've watched you do it. And that's how come I know about it. You don't allow that bitterness to separate you. You have pressed in and worshipped Him, and pressed into God with an intensity that is awesome. And I've watched some of you grow spiritually, uh, just at at a huge rate. Your maturity, your spiritual sensitivity, you've just zoomed forward in a time when you were in some of your greatest pain. You allowed the pain to drive you into God, and found your comfort there. And I know that comfort is there. And so some of us bear heavy hearts and, and are in the middle of some of this. And I just want you to know there is great comfort in God. And He will love you. And He will never abandon you. He is He is the one person above all that you will you will find His faithful. I can't, I can't remember where it is. I didn't But David says somewhere, Though my father forsake me, and my mother forget, where is it? Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Though my father forsake me, my mother forget me, thou, O Lord, will never. Something on that order. I have found... Well, yeah, let's look at it just while I hear you. Go on there. That's Psalm 27. My, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Let's, let's read that out loud. I don't care what version you got. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Let's do it again with some conviction. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Now, David's father hadn't forsaken him, nor had his mother, but he's saying in, in, the, in the idea, though, though this happens, you, O oh Lord, would never, never forsake me. We find comfort in the, Lord, in, in the promises of God. We find comfort in His power to change the heart. We find comfort in His love. You know, we're also to find comfort in, His, in, in the body of Christ. And that's something I'm just, I'm just having the Holy Spirit work on me like crazy that he is, He's set to do in our church, is to really allow us to love each other. And I think we're becoming ready to do that. We've had some years of just deciding whether whether it was we liked each other and trusted each other. But I think as the time is going on, we're deciding, well, you know, why not? And uh, we're ready to be friends. We're ready to be family. The uh, Psalm 68 verse 6 says that the Lord sets the solitary in families. The Lord sets the solitary in families. Though natural family members may forsake me or may be estranged from me for a time, I will find God's love among His people. Now I know there's mean-spirited Christians, but they don't go here. (laughs) I, I, I don't know many, actually, in this church. But I'm not saying that because a person's a Christian, they can't be judgmental and harsh and cruel and everything else, they certainly can. But real Christians, I mean, ones that have a heart on fire for God, they're not perfect, but they really will love you. I mean, they really will. It's not phony. It's not put on. In fact, St. John says in his letter, he says that if I'm really a Christian, the love of God within me will love the brethren. In fact, he says, if that love for one another is not present, I'm in death still. In other words, I'm not born again. It's a very fundamental thing. So real Christians, nominal Christians, no. People with religious backgrounds, no. Real Christians, they will love you. I'm thinking, you know, when I grew up, we had, uh, I had my grandfather die, my aunt die, and those were the, next to my mother, my my two closest family, my father, of course, left or we separated from him when I was two years old. So we're just going right down the list of my significant others here. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was mom and me that pretty well were left. And I've, one of the things I remember about my early years, my years of, of up till 12 years of age, was loneliness. If I were to put a word on it, it was lonely. It was us, and we had a really nice dog. It really did, and and I don't know what we'd have done without the dog. I had a, I had a white rat too, but he died. We put chloridine around the house, and that just finished the rat. Uh, but there was it was lonely, and and I found that whenever I dealt with people, they always kind of you just. They looked over you. I mean, you just didn't count. You were nothing. When we received the Lord in that little group of, it wasn't even a formal church, one of the things that was really amazing to me is that they not only accepted us, but they continued to like us. I often feel that people will like me initially, but after they get to know me somewhere along the line, they're going to go, you know, and and that'll be the end of it. (laughs) And there's been a bunch of that. I mean, you you get that from the world. But it was amazing that this group of people never did that. They kept including us and and welcoming us. And and I just, I, I think over my years... I can think of a man who was, who's, who was like my uncle, he's a natural relative, he was a cousin, but he was old enough and just the relationship was, was such that he would be like my uncle. And I longed for him to, to love me as a young boy and never, he, he, he didn't ever really, he, he thought I was okay. Um, but there was another man who was not a relative at all. He was an old Dane, and a Danish man that means. And he was a carpenter, and I met him. He built our house. And I began to work for him. I worked for him several years. And I think about it now, and one of the things that I always had from him, his wife, his children, was love. His brother-in-law, they were all Christians. And the difference in the way they accepted us, you know, in those days it wasn't, it wasn't uh, popular to be divorced. I mean, now, I mean, if you're not divorced, what are you? And, but back, back then, I, you know, it's like I was country when country wasn't cool, you know. We were divorced before divorce was cool, and uh, you were really socially at odds anywhere you went once they discovered you were divorced. And so we had that kind of stigma on us. But this, this, this Danish man, his name was Axel, Axel Sorensen, And his wife's name was Tomina. She was Norwegian. And uh, they always loved us. You were always welcome there. In fact, when I go back to Minnesota, when I go, if I go north to where we used to live... I may or may not go see relatives. But I will go see Axel. And it's funny. Why is that? It's because they love us. They love us. Why do they love us? They're Christians. I mean, real ones. Real Christians. You will find though your own relatives may forsake you, and we are never to stop loving them, we are never to stop praying for them, we are never to stop forgiving them, we are never to stop seeking that restoration of that relationship. This is no excuse to write anybody off. But even though your own natural family may separate or be a distance from you, God will give you family. Family that will will love you for a lifetime. People, Christians, real Christians, who will care for you and be interested in you and pray for you in ways that you just don't understand. That's one of the things, I think, above anything else, that stunned me, and I saw a profound difference as a boy, was how these people treated us, these Christians. Because I'd never been treated that way before except by some immediate family, and most of them had died, as I said. But they treated us that way. Still do. If I go down to California, I'm, I, I still am in welcome in any of their homes uh, and see them and, and love them. And it's like no time has passed at all in terms of the relationship. Have if you, if you got people like that? You can go see them. You haven't seen them maybe in 10 years. You walk into their house, and you, you picked up where you left off in your conversation 10 years ago nothing has really changed because they are also growing in Christ and it's like though you're separated you're still moving the same direction and you come back together in touch you know and you're still all whereas other family natural family who may not be in Christ or may not be or be nominal and not growing going on in Christ you get together with them and well you know you, you do your best to, to be friendly But there's not a great deal in common anymore. Why am I saying this? I'm saying that though people may be torn away from us through divorce, through angry teenage things from some years during that time, through misunderstandings, through death, that the, the place you will find healing for that depression, for that agony of heart, I don't think I can think of a, of, a, of a place where you'll find real healing for that. The only alternative in my mind is probably to become isolated and lonely and just endure, to try to take your mind off it or something and to, to carry that pain inside you. But if you will turn and find your comfort in the Lord's love through worship. If you will find comfort in the body of Christ by opening your life to other Christians. In fact, some of the people that I have seen suffer a lot. I mean, I, some of our best ministers in this church are people that have gone through things that will just absolutely make your heartache to hear it. And you think, how can you get up and and carry through the day, let alone be serving all of us the way you are? And yet I think they find the love of God and 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 the comfort of the Lord, even as they serve others and love others, the Lord is healing them. We find it in confidence in God's power to change the heart, We find it in God's promises to always be contending, even with the alienated family. Do you have alienated family? Do you have family that are far from the Lord? I do. I do. But even now, I find that God is bringing several of them to Himself. We've gotten letters from family members I wouldn't recognize uh, any longer. I'm thinking my, my mom has gotten some letters from people that are just on my long list of prayers. You know, you pray for the family. I can just go right down the family, be with Grandma and Grandpa, David and Rachel, Stephen and Karen, Larry and Kathy, Paul, Chris and Reed, Andrew, Matthew, 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 Michael, Mark, you know, Grandma Michelle, Robert, Aunt Mary, Bobby, Nancy, Cousins. Anyway, I just go right down my, my, my relatives and my wife's relatives. And uh, my children do it, and every so often we just drop into that and notch down, and off we go, just naming them all before the Lord. And what happens with family like that, even when they're separated from you, you just keep praying. See, you pray for your family until you die. Or till they die. You just don't ever stop on that. And with the issues with family is it can take decades. It can take 40 years. I don't know why the toughest... Nuts in the kingdom are your relatives. (laughs) But it doesn't it seem like that? You know, everybody else is, all the other people, you see all these these really crazy people just pour into the church and then there's your uncle, you know, and no siree Bob, he's got to go right to the end. Uh, But what happens is if you keep praying, how long does God remember a prayer? Yeah. to a thousand generations. he never he didn 't quit see, and so he doesn 't forget you prayed he doesn 't stop working, so you just what you 're doing is continuing to have faith alive in your heart thank you lord, that you 've heard me, thank you that you 're moved you don 't have to beg him over and over again, you just trust him, just trust him for that family member, we just got some letters from some cousins you know just asking about spiritual things, really 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 unusual My, my wife just said this week that my one of my nephews, who is, is my godson, uh, of all of my nephews, he's, he, he is my godson. Uh, we're going to send him a Bible on his graduation from college and and, and, some other, and, and seven promises of the promise keeper. And we're going send to that, send that off to him. And uh, Mary just said, I, I just feel led to do this. And so you, what do you do? You just keep scattering seed with those natural family. See, if we were cursed... We would watch the tearing away of our family and loved ones and there'd be nothing we could do. We'd just look on with our eyes and grieve. But we aren't cursed. We're in Christ. So we have the living God on our side. And so we simply position ourselves and we pray and we trust Him right on through. And He will contend with them as long as they live and He will restore to us even those who die. There is no loss in God. Not even death can break His promises. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.